0: Welcome to another special episode of the Impact Nation's podcast. Uh, We are joined today by our friend Mark Verkler, uh, and he's going to be talking to us today a little bit about how to hear God's voice. Now, we're having, ironically, some trouble hearing Mark. We've got some audio difficulties here, but we've done our best to level that out, uh, and we really encourage you to stick around, stick it out, because Mark's got some great stuff for us here. Mark is joining us from Zoom, uh, and I suspect, based on your attention, Hi Mark. You're coming to us from someplace rather warm and balmy. Where are you coming to us from?
1: (laughs) I'm coming from Orlando, Florida.
0: Oh, I've heard of it. I hear it's lovely this time of year. It
1: is lovely. We just went on a nice little bike ride. It was great.
0: Beautiful. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for joining us on the Impact Nations podcast. We're delighted to have you.
1: But well, it's good to be with you. Looking forward to it. <clears throat>
0: um, perhaps we'll start uh, maybe just with how you got connected with Impact Nations. Uh, how is it that uh, our two ministries uh, overlap a little bit?
1: Well, I went to your dad in my office, and he told me if I would go for a uh, journey of compassion with the India with him, that I would be able to lay hands with the sick, and they would recover. <laughs> and,
0: <laughs> and how did that turn I'd be
1: there? out? I asked him if he guaranteed it. He said he guaranteed it. I said, "Well, if you're willing to guarantee it, I'm willing to come because I do believe in guarantees. We offer a guarantee ourselves that if you practice the four keys hearing God's voice, we're going to talk about that, you will be able to hear God's voice. Money back guarantee." And so I took him up on his money back guarantee, and it worked really, really well. Um, all 30 plus people uh, were able to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. So it was a wonderful life changing experience for me. I mean, really impacted greatly
0: by it that's fantastic uh i'm so glad to hear it that was a number of years ago wasn't it mark oh
1: probably 15 or 20 i'm I'm guessing i kind of forget how many
0: (laughs) well we're still going to india and lots of other places and still seeing god move so uh, it is always amazing it never gets old seeing seeing the the reality of heaven come and penetrate earth and forever change lives eh amen amen i love it i
1: love it yep
0: so can you tell us a little bit about your ministry what's what's your everyday gig
1: well I my number one thing is to teach people that how easy it is to hear God's voice um, I mean we do a lot of stuff I've written 50 books and we head up an internet university and and you know we have a newsletter but um number one thing I've done for 40 years is to teach people that they can easily hear God's voice
0: did and, you just uh, say you've written 50 books? That's what I just said. I don't yeah. even think I've read 50 books,
1: Mark.
2: <laughs>
1: oh, sh- oh sure, you, sure you have.
0: How do you anyway. find time for that?
1: Well, some people like to live in closets, and some people like to live on the streets, like you and you and your dad. So, you know, <laughs> I'll take a closet, you know, and I'll go out the street once in a while. But mostly just give me a closet. Um, Amazing. You know, everybody has a call and a gift, you know?
0: <clears throat> yeah. So what are some of the things you write about? I, today we're going to talk a lot about uh, hearing God's voice, and this is a question we get a lot here on the Impact Nations podcast, which is why we were so eager to have you. But uh, 50 books, you probably covered a few topics. What What are some of the other things you like to write about?
1: Well, I started with Bible survey, and we wrote a series that takes you through the entire Bible, cover to cover, and uh, listening to God's voice all the way through the entire thing. Um, and then after that... <clears throat> All the books came out of my own personal struggles, my own personal battles, things that weren't working in my Christian life. I wanted to work. I would spend a year focused on trying to master the skill. Mm-hmm. The Lord would give me ease to master it, and I'm a teacher, so I would lay them out in an orderly fashion so other people could follow my steps and master the same skill. So biggest focus has been Christian spirituality, um, how to hear God's voice, how to interpret dreams, how to release miracles, uh, gifts of healing, <clears throat> Prayers that heal the heart, like humans up easily and comfortably without necessarily having to duke up at the same time. Um, our most recent books um, are on Christian dream interpretation. One is on the nine manifestations of the Holy Spirit, Nine full manifestation. They're actually all simple, all easy, and all available for everyone to manifest. So we wrote a book on that. Um, we have an, <clears throat> another new book on. Unleashing healing power through kingdom emotion. Um, build a theology for the role of emotion because I was taught emotion was soulish.
2: Hmm. Of course,
1: if it's soulish. You want to cut it off and throw it away, which is what I tried to do and wasn't hard to do. I'm a cleric. I didn't have only just anger and hatred. The rest of threw true. Way. I kept anger and hatred. I thought they were valuable. <laughs> but, um, but, um, you know, Jesus moved by compassion healed. So I don't think his compassion that the a carrier wave for a healing power. Was a soulish a- aspect within them. But even my culture and religion taught me that it was soulish. So, so, rather than cut off emotions and throw them away, we learned to embrace kingdom emotions hmm. of joy and peace. Our kingdom emotions, compassion is the carrier wave of the healing miracle-working power of God. So we just cleaned up a really bad, bad, bad theology on emotions. Showed that they are in your spirit. And they are fruits of the spirit, and um, if you don't have the keenly emotion of compassion, your chances of healing the sick are really, really hindered greatly, if not Hmm. nullified. So so that was a fascinating book, you know, uh, in in the area of emotion as part of Christian spirituality.
0: Do you get do you get any pushback on that in terms of uh kingdom emotions? Like is that, that's a that's an interesting concept. I've never actually heard that phrase, kingdom emotions. Uh and as you said, there there is bad theology out there in terms of, you know, just stuff your emotions, uh, cast them out, uh they're they're of the soul or or what have you. Uh have you had pushback on that? Not
1: that I pay any attention to. I'm sure there's something out there <laughs> howling their head off, but the- I don't bother to read the heresy hunting websites. I don't bother to list the people who just, you know, if they want to write me, that's fine. But uh, actually nobody's written me and I'm offended or anything because every book I write has hundreds of verses of scripture. Yeah. Everything I say is backed up with a scriptural reference and the verse next to it. Yeah. <clears throat> so if you're a Bible believing and you believe the Bible has authority, you have to you have to honor it, you know, because yeah. There's no statement in my book that is not backed up with a scriptural reference and a scripture verse. I just don't, I don't talk unless I've got scripture to back it up. So, mm, I love that. so it's, uh, you know, it's, we've got no reaction, no negative reaction that I'm aware mm. of at it all. I've got a lot of positive reaction, um, but no negative reaction. Yeah. <laughs> and people. Like, I'm-
0: I'm sure are finding freedom as they're discovering how to operate in kingdom emotions and, and uh, really walk in, uh, in a healthy emotional state. That's probably bringing a lot of transformation and heart healing. Eh?
1: Oh, a lot of transformation. <clears throat> you know, I mean, one of the really cool things the Lord said to me many years ago when I began the journal, <clears throat> he said, emotions are by- byproducts of pictures. And, um, and boy, that, that was life changing for me, you know? So if I'm, staring at a picture in my mind, my visualize, visualizing mind, and, and it doesn't have Jesus in the picture, I'm going to have cruddy emotions, you know? Wow. And if I got my eyes fixed on Jesus, like the Bible said, <clears throat> and the picture I'm looking at contains Jesus in it, I'm going to have kingdom emotion. It's as simple as that. So mm. if I got anger, fear, guilt, remorse, you know, whatever, it's because I'm looking at a picture that does not contain Jesus. Yeah. And I know it's very simple to clean it up, by like just inviting Jesus into the scene, Lord, show me where You are in this picture. He appears. I tune the flow of pictures, going picture lights in my mind with a vision. It's Jesus there, present, doing whatever He wants to do. And when, and now I got kingdom emotions. I mean, the kingdom is love and joy and peace. Those are emotions. That's what the kingdom is. The Bible defines the kingdom as joy and peace. Those are emotions. So to relegate that to the soul is is beyond belief, unbiblical.
2: Wow. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And unacceptable for the church to do, completely unacceptable. And that's yeah. what I find about most everything I was taught in Bible college. Once I've gone back and looked at the reverse of the Bible on topic, topic, almost everything I was taught was wrong, and I changed my mind on pretty much everything. <laughs>
2: our
1: newest series that's going to come out in January, this video series is <clears throat> 49 lines. <clears throat> 49 lines Are Repented of, and I can now share a few of them. And it's 49 pages of my journaling, two way journaling. From 30 years ago 30 to 40 years ago i just never did a video series to follow it up and i just did hate the video series and and, and man it's, it's 49 things i used to believe preach and teach which ones i journaled about it, and god taught me he said mark <laughs> you don't want to believe this and he very lovingly told me what i do want to believe and i said well of course i want to believe that the bible very clearly teaches that so why am i believing this so so i you know grew up a pharisee because yeah, it had to be. I mean, if you can't hear God's voice, you don't have a choice. You have to live out of biblical law if you wanna I And mean, that's the only other alternative for a Christian. And since that was taught there was no voice to God and I couldn't hear God's voice and no one could explain it, I only had one choice be a legalistic therapy. So once I learned to hear his voice and he spoke, you know, then we had then we had Luke twenty four. We're not our hearts burning within us as he was poking scriptures too wow. up on the road. Yeah. And man. He opened scriptures and showed me verses. I mean, the kingdom is peace and joy. How can you say that's much? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just so clearly obvious once Jesus opens the verse to you. You say, well, of course that's true. There's no other way it could be. You know, there couldn't possibly be selfish, you know? Yeah. And, and they say, king, emotions are unreliable. Well, they're unreliable if, if you don't have your eyes fixed on Jesus and you're getting demonic emo- you know, emotions from the kingdom of darkness. But if your eyes are fixed on Jesus, the emotions that come with the pictures you're looking at are reliable and and they're to be trusted and acted on. I mean, emotions of volition to action. Without strong emotion, you're not even going to act. So, So if we cut off emotion, the church is not going to have any motivation to act. Wow. All right. We'll leave that. Up. We'll
0: leave that's that powerful. Up. All right. Well, we got to get that. We'll, we'll do that podcast sometime, too, because that's good stuff. Um, all right. Okay. So in January, you're starting a, a video series uh, w- with a list of 49 things. You've got lists. I, one of the things I, I love about your stuff is you're really into lists. You like these numbers. like, And it, it's great because it just kind of breaks it down and makes it really simple for, for us to, to grasp some of these concepts. So today, uh, we are going to be talking specifically about four keys to Hearing God's voice, so um, I don't know where do you want to start. Uh, How did you narrow it down to four? Did it used to be more, and you got it? You just kept paring it <laughs> down, or what?
1: <laughs> well, it used to be nothing worse. I mean, hmm. I was taught God's voice, but stopped talking, and so I was very disappointed. I happened to live in the church age because this is the dumpster age where God doesn't do anything anymore. So I, I, that was a full of remorse in my early Christian years because I because I was taught none. Everything in the Bible couldn't happen anymore. Once I rejected that church and left that church and believed that I could hear God's voice, you know, then I listened for a voice. You know, and I couldn't hear a voice. And so then I prayed and fasted, and I still couldn't hear a voice. Then I fasted 40 days, and I still couldn't hear a voice. Then I read to the Holy Testament, and, just, and I still couldn't hear a voice. And then I asked people, <clears throat> how do you hear God's people could hear God's voice? I asked them, how do you hear God's voice? I mean, their answers were things like, oh, you just know that you know that you know. And I, you know what? If I knew, I wouldn't be here asking you what I. <laughs> and that answer just, you know, made me feel so angry, it just fed my demon of anger and rage. You know, I wanted to rip their head off their shoulders because it's not an answer. When somebody asks you a question, it's just not an answer. You know, and there was nobody could give me an answer. Right? I asked a traveling charismatic teacher who taught him the ninefold manifestation of the Spirit. How do you, you know, how do you hear God's voice? He said, well, <clears throat> what most people consider the voice of God is nothing more than a and rumbling in the spiritual mind. That was his answer as to how to hear God's voice. Hmm. I got angry and backslid over that again, too. So, those are all the things I tried, I thought, should. Be. none of them worked. So I spent 10 years after trying that stuff. Uh, I spent 10 years not hearing God's voice within a biblical law, which is what Pharisees do. And then I had a thought come to me <clears throat> why didn't you spend a year of your life learning to hear God's voice? And I thought, huh, <laughs> a year of my life. Are you kidding
0: That's what? a long time. We didn't
1: spend that's a long time. I mean, in college, I had five courses every trimester, three trimesters a year, fifteen courses a year. I've never spent a year to learn one thing. That's ridiculous.
2: Hmm.
1: And a second thought, come, you know, you've already spent ten years in diffuse effort, you didn't get through. If you spent one year in focused effort, focused effort, and you got through, it'd be the best year of your life. That's true. So I decided to risk a year, focused on one thing, learn to hear God, and. Um, I figured, you know what, if Christianity is real, I want a breakthrough, and if it's not, I'm quitting it, okay? I mean, I'm not gonna quit, ain't. so uh, that year, God taught me to fourth hearing God's voice. He woke me up one morning. I mean, every every book I read that year was on prayer, hearing God's voice. Every, every sermon I preached was on that, every Bible I studied was on that, every conference I went to was on hearing God's voice. That was focused, that for me. All my experimentation was on hearing God's voice. Middle of the year, since God could see that my heart was fervent, he disclosed himself to me with the Bible said that he will disclose himself to those who are fervent. So, <coughs> excuse me just a second. <coughs> so he woke me up one morning with a booming bass voice, which I've heard exactly once in 69 years.
2: Hmm.
1: <coughs> and the booming bass voice was, get up, I'm going to teach you to hear my voice. And I bolted straight out of bed, walked over to my office, sat down, and he took me to my back to one and two. And he showed me in those two verses the four things Habakkuk did to hear God's voice. And he showed them to me that morning. And, and uh, I just tried them. <laughs> and my goodness, they worked. I was able to do exactly what Habakkuk did. I was able to like, hear it, do it get what he meant, to, you know, I mean, Habakkuk got a vision, which he had three chapters, writing out. So I learned how to write the journal, my visions out, and hear God's voice and write the whole thing out. So in doing the four things Habakkuk did... <clears throat> I spent four, five hours that day just listening to God's voice, writing page after page after page of what God's saying to me. And I thought, finally, 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 finally I can live the Bible. I can do what the people in the Bible did. I mean, the Bible, there's hundreds of chapters of people in the Bible writing out their visions, their dreams, their their prophecies, their encounters with God. And I'm finally able to do it. I'm Hmm. finally able to do it. And I was ecstatic. It, it changed everything in my Christian life. So it came to me through Revelation one morning, as a result of me of God shouting at me, "Get up! I'm going to teach you to hear my voice." So the booming bass voice is God shouting. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get through any other way. He'll he'll use a donkey's ass or a booming bass voice or something like that. So he he used the booming bass voice that morning to show to show me those voices. So that's how they, that's how I got up. <clears throat>
0: Fantastic. And so you started sharing those with people pretty quick, I'm guessing, because uh, that's some good news.
1: Well, I first but yes. Shared with my wife first. I mean I mean the four keys. The back I you know, I still let fight just out there. But back so I am going to my guide post. So you have a place where you go and fight your own thoughts. He said I'm just gonna keep watch to see. So he's using vision. Key number two is to use vision, see in the spirit realm. Where Jesus is at and what Jesus is doing. It's like, like what King King David did. King David said, "I behold the Lord at my right hand." Hmm. That's and then he's quoting Psalm sixteen eight, where he says, "I am set the Lord at my right hand."
0: Yeah, that was remember. that was a key thing when I read that Mark that. That uh, that verb he he placed the Lord before him like it, it's a very active intentional thing. It's not just Jesus hap- the Lord happens to be there. It, it's uh, he was David was really participating in that, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, he most certainly was, and it wasn't a vision either, because because he didn't say the Lord appeared. He said I set him there. Hmm. So this is not a vision. This is a visualization. He is picturing his theology. He's picturing what he knows to be true. Yeah. I mean, I can believe that God's Emmanuel God with me, or I can see him with me. Now, does the seeing have more power than, than just conceptual thought? I mean, we say a picture is worth a thousand words. So when I can see real, spiritual reality rather than just think it, it has a thousand times more power to impact my life and change me than thinking might hmm. be. And that's why Jesus, without a terribly, taught them that because he wanted them picturing all the time because pictures are the language of the heart, and yeah. that's why the Bible is written as a picture book. I explained to God he wrote it wrong. I said, you know, I just got to rewrite the whole thing and turn it into systematic sermon outline. He said, no, you don't. He said, I wrote it right the first time. Hmm. But life is not a systematic outline; it's a story, and um, so to, to learn to live in story, to learn to live in picture, was completely foreign to me as a left brain analytical theological
0: ocean. Yeah, because I, I can, can tell just fun. from your teaching and your writing, you like that, you know, real structured stuff <laughs> and so for the Lord to kind of pull you out of that and begin to stretch your your imagination uh, must have been quite a right. quite a process.
1: <laughs> well, it, it was a dramatic change. I mean, you know, analytical stuff is left brain, vitrine is right brain, intuition is right brain, which is the next key, key number three. So I'm learning how to shift hemispheres, I'm learning how to not worship the left hemisphere and how to not hmm. scorn the right hemisphere, which is wow. what my culture taught me to do, what wow. my uh, what what schools taught me to do, what college taught me to do, what church taught me to do. You scorn emotions, you scorn pictures, you scorn imagination. The only verse on imagination we can think of in the Bible is avoid vain imagination. And no one happened to know the word disperse, hide the word of God in the imagination of your heart. I no won't quote that one to me because I didn't even know it. How about this verse? I will keep you in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon thee. The word mind is yetzer in the Greek, and it's not translated mind. That yetzer shows up about nine times or so. It, it's translated correctly in all the other verses. Here it's translated incorrectly as mind. But the correct definition is imagination. I will keep him in perfect peace, whose imagination is stayed upon me. That is the definition of yetzer. And, and the definition of yetzer is imagination which frames up. So what you imagine, frames up your reality. Wow. If I'm picturing Jesus here with me, I'm at peace. I'm calm. I'm fine. If I'm picturing myself alone facing hundred people, I got to stop. Dude, I'm scared. Spitless. Yeah. So I'm at perfect peace as long as my picturing, as long as I've got my eyes fixed on Jesus, which is the only command in the New Testament. that's where your eyes should be fixed. And I've had zero teaching by anyone in the church as to where to fix my eyes. Zero. I had never intentionally fixed my eyes on Jesus. I read the verse, memorized the verse, quoted the verse, spoke it, preached it. But it's the verses you live that make a difference. I decided, oh, maybe I should actually do (laughs) Do the verse. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine that, doing what it says. Do the verse. It says, fix your eyes on Jesus. go ahead, fix your eyes on Jesus. Guess what? He's Emmanuel. He's right here. Acts 2.25. I behold the Lord at my right hand. Go ahead and just do what King David did. And then maybe you can get some results like Yeah, like that. yeah. Hmm. And so that's the we teach key number two: learn to use the eyes of your heart. Learn to see Jesus. Not hard. Kids can do it easier than adults can. Kids can do this effortlessly. Anyone who teaches this to the kids, and many, many, many people do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my my great grandkids can easily see Jesus with them. They can see the regarding angels with them because they've been taught that these floating pictures that light up on your mind are visions from God. And, uh, you can look to see your angels. You can look to see Jesus and a floating picture will drift into your mind. And it is a vision of Jesus and a vision of the angels who are your guardian angels. Simple, easy, childlike faith. Doesn't take any grunting. Grunting cuts it off because the Bible says he's describing and, and enter into his rest. Hebrews three and four. So no grunting allowed. Just got to smile, put on a party shirt like I got here, you know, and not take yourself seriously. But just look and then you see. That was key number two, learn to see vision. Key number three was to recognize what God's voice sounds like. <laughs>
2: mm.
1: So we're going to define God's voice very simply. God's voice sounds like spontaneous thoughts that light upon your mind. God's voice sounds like spontaneous thoughts that light upon your mind. Simple sentence. No one had ever said that to me. Still, I would say 99% of the people in the church have, have no ability to say that sentence. Yeah. But... But if that's true, <laughs> then hearing God's voice is very simple. Everyone hears God's voice every day, yeah. Christians and non-Christians, because so we all have flowing thoughts, okay? And the Bible is full of examples of God speaking to non-Christians as well as Christians. So no problem there. <clears throat> so so I had no theology concerning flowing thoughts. And I began to build one. John seven thirty seven to 39, out of your innermost being shall flow, shall flow, Rivers, of the living water, this he spoke to the Spirit. So that river that flows from the throne flows down to the city, into my heart when I invite Jesus in, it'll flow out through my lips, my vocal cords. If I tune my vocal cords to flow and speak, that's flow guiding my vocal cords. If I tune my lips and speak in English, now I'm speaking the oracle of God. If I tune the flow and let flow guide my reasoning process, then I have the mind of Christ, If I lay hands to the sick and tune to flow, then those become the hands of Jesus, and healing power flows through them to heal the sick. So anytime I yield any one of my outer faculties to the river that's within me flowing, now I used to memorize the verse, you know, out of my innermost being shut, I just never took it seriously. I never understood, hey, when you tune to flow, you're tuning to the river of the Holy Spirit who is within you. And just learning to take these verses seriously and honor them, of course, I didn't have a theology for flow. I had never thought of, I mean, I knew I was supposed to take every thought chapter to it to Christ, so I knew some of my thoughts were bad. Hmm. I knew that I was lean, not to lean to my understanding, but to trust God. Uh, I knew that my thoughts were not his thoughts, so it never crossed my mind, since my thoughts aren't his thoughts, it never crossed my mind that his thought would come as, his voice would come as a thought. So, can we break thoughts down into three categories? My thoughts are analytical, connected, cognitive uh, cognitive reasoning. Two Mm -hmm. plus two is four. That's my four. That's my thought. Spirit thoughts are flowing thoughts. They're not connected and cognitive. they just boom. Like you're driving down the road in your car and a thought comes to you to pray for somebody. That came through flow. That was a spontaneous flowing thought. And every Christian will believe, does believe, that that was the voice of God telling them to pray for that person. Uh, But they probably never... Generalize that principle and say, "Oh wow, flowing thoughts that light up my mind are actually coming from Jesus. So maybe I should learn to fix my eyes on Jesus and tune the flowing thoughts, and I can be hearing His voice constantly." Uh, right-brainers tend to do this intuitively without even being aware that they're doing it internally. Why it's pretty much impossible for them to teach a left-brainer how to hear God's voice because they have never defined the steps because they never had to fight to do it. It was just natural, reading for them. Okay, so. That's why they just say you know that you know that you know, and it doesn't help a left or go anywhere. Yeah. So we began to build a you know the word the word of, of theology for flow. The word for prophecy in the Old Testament is nava, and it means to bubble up. Let's well, flow again. Prophetic is that which is just bubbling or flowing within you. So, flowing thoughts are spirit thoughts. If it's flowing and accusative, condemnatory, or lying, thief, that my faith, hope, and love is coming from a demon. If it's flowing and it's lined up with the name of Jesus, if it's satisfying, if it's life-giving, if it's wonderful counsel, if it's true, then it's coming from Jesus. So I got three categories of thoughts. Flowing thoughts that line up with the name of Jesus, which is his voice. Flowing thoughts that line up with the name of Satan, which is demon. And analytical thoughts, which is Mark Berkman saying, oh, let me figure this out. <laughs> No, I don't need Mark Berger's thoughts because my thoughts are his. Someone scrapped those. I don't need demon's thoughts um, because I already tried that. It just depressed me. Someone scrapped those. It means I've only got one category of thought which I allow in my mind. Every other thought is taken captive and kicked out. Um, so the only thoughts that I'll allow is spontaneous, flowing thoughts that line up with the names of Jesus. And my goal is to live with my eyes fixed on Jesus, picturing him here next to me, with me at all times, which kind of got picture something. I can picture there's nobody next to me. Which, of course, is a lie, which the Bible would define that as an ungodly imagination, vain imagination, evil imagination. It talks in the Old Testament about those who have an evil imagination that go backwards and not forward. Well, if I'm going to not picture Jesus next to me and picture nobody here, I'm going to go back with fear, terror, fright. You know, I mean, that's just a few ways I go backwards. I'm going to picture Jesus here. I'm going to go forward. I'm going to have faith, or hope, and confidence. you know. But I'm going to picture something. I'm either going to picture Jesus next to me or nobody. Else. So there's no such thing as not picturing You And i not be aware that you're picturing, but I used to picture error, evil imagination, lies, things that were not true to Scripture. So we teach people, hey, take the eyes of your heart, be intentional, and what you know is theologically true, picture it, see it, and do more than that. To flow, I can imagine Jesus next to me <clears throat> as step one. But then I could say, Holy Spirit, I could pray Ephesians 1:17. I pray that the eyes of my heart would be enlightened, that I might know. So I say, Holy Spirit, would you enlighten this godly imagination? The imagination is an imagination that lines up the scripture. Would you enlighten this imagination, breathe it alive, and let me step into a vision? <laughs> And then I just look, look, at you the look the soul, put a smile on my face, wear my party shirt, so I'm not striving, i to not make anything happen. And all of a sudden, the vision, the picture comes alive, and Jesus is gesturing, he's walking with you, he's talking with you, he's doing stuff, and you've stepped into a vision. And it's easy, it's effortless, it's childlike, everyone can do it every day, all the time. Hmm. I that's love that
0: you've come experience. back to childlike on several occasions, because I, I think that's that's so important. Uh, and I, I, you know, we talk about it, obviously the, we, we read the gospels, we hear Jesus say it, but I think sometimes, uh, for us to practice childlike faith can actually be kind of scary. Um, because we're in one sense, I think we're, we're taught, you know, behave like an adult and think like an adult, which, you know, probably means use, use your left brain and things like that. And so to begin to stretch ourselves, um, It just at times you almost I I think I become worried that people will think I'm I'm silly or uh, you know that that old terrible uh, phrase uh, you know the too too heavenly minded to be any earthly good sort of a thing people assume you're a space cadet or something like that. Um, so I, I think by bringing it back to that scriptural principle of childlike faith, it almost, uh, it makes it a little bit more safe in a sense, uh, to begin to explore with Jesus, uh, the, your imagination, in a sense, the imagination that he's given us.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a good point. Jesus was the one who gave us our imagination. It wasn't the new age movement that gave it to us. There wasn't. Satan that gave it to us, it was God who gave it to us, it was God who commanded us, um, he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep you in perfect peace if you keep your imagination stayed on me. Yeah. It was God who commanded us to fix your eyes on Jesus. You know, so the church has, the Western Protestant church, has no theology concerning a ama- godly imagination. They have no definition for godly imagination. They have no theology concerning it. They're, they're totally blind and, 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 and have, have missed it, you know? Yeah. That was key number three, to restore the eye in Key number four, God said to Habakkuk, record the vision. <laughs> Habakkuk, do one and two. So he's saying, get your pen out and begin to write out, you know, the flowing pictures that are coming, which is vision, and the flowing thoughts that are coming, which are his thoughts. And I thought, <laughs> write out my prayer time. Are you kidding?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean... I flunked English in high school. I took remedial English in college. I hate writing. I hate English. I hate grammar. I hate spelling. I'm a guy, I'm trying not to <laughs> I want to be a dairy farmer. You know, I sure don't want to write. You know, and I had no intention of writing because I hated it. And um, so I said, look, you know, if your approach to hearing my voice isn't working all that well, you could just try mine, just in case I know something. And I thought, well, hmm. oh, sure, fine. I will, I will try writing that prayer time out just to prove to you it's not going to work in my life. You know, it's called <laughs> an open-minded approach to Christian growth. And so I did the four things. I quieted myself down. I pictured Jesus next to me. I put a big smile on my face so I was relaxing, not striving and grunting. And I said, Lord, what do you want to say to me? I just put it down. Lord, what do you want to say to me? I tuned to flow. And I got from flow a paragraph. And I thought, what in the world is this? So I took it to my wife, Patty, who is more spiritual than me by a long shot. More loving, <laughs> more kind. She's actually more brilliant, too. She graduated top of her class in college, so she beats me in every way. And I said, Patty, would you read this? And she read it. I said, what is that? She said, well, it's not said, Are you sure? She said, yes.
2: Hmm.
1: Well, that caused my faith level to go. Phew. And without yeah. faith, those who come to God must believe. So <laughs> I was, I've got increased faith. I went back and did the fourth piece again. 30 more minutes. I got another half a page. I took it to Patty and she said, it's still God. I went back and did it again and I got another half page and I took it to Patty. And 30 minutes later, she said, it's still God. I did that all day long. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, cause I spent 10 years trying to find his voice and no one could even explain it to me. And I find it's as simple as fixing my eyes on Jesus, putting his falling, thoughts and writing. Man, if somebody could have said that sentence, I could have done it 10 years sooner, but no one could say that sentence. Yeah. And, um, so I, it was my break. You know, it was the second most important day in my life. The first most important day was salvation. And the second one was when I actually entered into a personal relationship with Jesus by hearing his voice and seeing him and then feeling, of course, his emotions because emotions are byproduct of pictures. When I was seeing him in action, I got really cool emotions floating, on within me, floating around within me. And I always thought I had a relationship with Jesus. And that's right. taught people got on stage in a relationship with Jesus. But my relationship with Jesus in the early years, I couldn't hear his voice, couldn't see him, and I couldn't feel him. <laughs> yeah. Now, if I'm married to my wife and he said to people, I've got a relationship with Patty, I just, I can't hear her, I can't see her, and I can't feel her, but I do have a relationship with her. I mean, you'd laugh in my face. you said, yeah. what kind of a relationship do you have with Patty? You can't hear her, see her. That's where I was. Yeah. So the church taught me it was available, and no one could teach me anything better. Or <clears throat> so now I can
0: actually have a relationship. And how has and that changed? About. How has that changed your life, Mark? Like now that you, you have found true relationship with Jesus, uh, you know, when you're outside of your of your prayer closet and you're just interacting with the world around you, how has this newfound depth of relationship changed the way you live?
1: Okay, it, everything has changed. Uh, it, it, takes, it took me a year just to become comfortable working with flowing thoughts and flowing pictures as being valuable, normal, central, and comfortably flowing within me. It took me a year of journaling to come to that point. Okay, And then, then for the next year, since I'd learned a very important lesson that year, not, not just the four keys during our voice, I'd learned, hey, if you're stuck in any area, take a year and focus on it, you'll be unstuck. Hmm. So the next January, I said, God, what should we work on this year? He said, I want to focus on abiding in Christ. So you learn to take my voice and my vision with you on the street all day long, even when you're not journaling. You know, I want you to still see me and still be tuned to flow and still hear me. So I spent the whole next year <laughs> focused on that, which um, is Abided in Christ. And, you know, every every year brings a book with it, you know, and that that one was the Great Mystery Christ Within and Naturally Supernatural. Two books came were the abiding Christ concept. Yeah. And so I just, you know, practiced jogging, looking for him. And sure enough, he's floating a foot off the ground next to me, driving on the car, looking, driving down the road, the car, looking. Sure enough, he's sitting next to me, smiling, laughing, we're having a good time. Unless I'm speeding, and he's behind the car, running, trying to catch up. And then if I slow down, he'd crawl in the window and everything would be fine again. But how? But your question is, how did it change? <clears throat> first of all, when I'm talking to person. I'm going to picture I picture Jesus next to them. I'm tuned to flow, and I'm hearing what flow is giving to me, and I'm responding out of that, which is completely the opposite to the way that I would respond. <laughs> hmm. I mean, the first day that I journaled, I asked the Lord, "What about Renee? She was a teenage girl. We." Taken in kind of like a foster child. She's a runaway from her home and her parents went to our church. They asked us to minister grace to her and take her into our home. We had she's breaking all the rules. And my thoughts was, I grew up in an authoritarian home. I don't know how to handle people, break rules, you beat them up in Christian love, you know. And, <laughs> and I was gonna I was gonna do that. And and when I journaled about it, when she was in school, during that five hours of that first day of journey, the Lord said, Um, love unconditionally. She, she's very insecure <laughs>
2: hmm. it's
1: a totally opposite response to what i was going to do yeah when she came home from school i was going to read her the riot act i her, look yeah. you want to live here here's the rule instead i spent an hour building a deeper relationship and just chatting talking about her life my life and the fruit was good she stayed the whole next year <clears throat> came to our church to listen to sermon and if i had read her the riot act i'm sure she'd have ran away from my house so yeah. Everything changed. My wife said her marriage, her marriage improved greatly. Right? Like I learned to hear God's voice. Because <laughs> hmm. uh, the Lord would say really deep things like, love your wife. And I would say, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to just as soon as I fix her. And he said, I said, I said, love your wife. I thought, I'm going to as soon as I fix her. He said, Mark, love your wife. Just the wow. way I made her. I said, but God, she's an introvert. She doesn't want to talk to anybody. He said, so? I said, well, how in the world can you get somebody saved if you don't want to talk to anybody? Well, you can't be effective in the kingdom. You can't talk. So I said, look, you honor the way I made her, and you love her the way I made her, and you don't try to wow. remake her into your image. Yeah. And so I decided to do that. Um, and Patty said her marriage improved greatly right? because I stopped pressuring her to fulfill the role of a pastor's marriage. Wow. It's nowhere found in scripture, but I had one written in my brain that I thought she should be fulfilling. <clears throat> yeah. So I, don't, I told my church, you, you know, Patty's not a pastor's wife. She's my wife. So i expect expected to be pastor's wife, then <clears throat> she's not going to. And um, they were fine with that. She was fine with that, and um, she did what she was called to do, which was homeschool our kids and home college our kids. <clears throat> so we homeschooled them. we home college them. They work with us full time in the ministry now. The best of friends. We vacation together. It's great, you know. So I don't know if that answers your question. If you yeah, have
0: no, I, I I think that's really helpful actually. I, that that concept of picturing Christ next to you in your midst as you're interacting with others is profound uh I mean, for starters, (laughs) just at a very base level, uh, it's going to lead to a certain level of accountability in terms of perhaps uh, you'll get a little bit better at holding your tongue at the very least (laughs) uh, when you know Jesus is standing right there. You know what I'm saying? So I I love that visualization. That's marvelous. Uh, Mark, I've got a few more questions for you. If you've got a a few more minutes, uh, I've got a a few other things I wanted to ask you about. But just before I do, I'll just stop for a quick – what do they used to say? Well, pause for a station identification break or whatever. Uh, A quick ad. If you will, um, today's episode of the Impact Nations podcast is brought to you by our clean water program. Uh, we have been distributing water filters around the world for a really long time. I, I would say at least 13 years. And I know that because my wife and I uh, were living in the Philippines uh, 13, 14 years ago. And uh, I was involved in distributing water filters back then. Uh, the technology has changed a heck of a lot. If you want to know about that, it's fascinating. Uh, but I won't get started now because uh, I can geek out on that stuff all day. But uh, the the important thing is that when we bring clean water to a family, everything changes. Uh, and you're, We're bringing economic freedom to them because now they're no longer spending money on either fuel to boil their water or purchasing water, or they're not spending money on medicine because they've got tummy troubles and things like that. Uh, We're actually statistically seeing a huge turnaround in health and, uh, and just available cash, quite frankly, for families who receive a water filter. We know that because actually now, anytime Impact Nations installs a water filter in a home, we actually do a little survey. Our partners all over the globe have uh, a survey application on their phone. They ask a few questions about the family's health, how they're uh, spending money on water-related uh, issues. And that information uh, gets geotagged right to their home so we can see on a map almost instantly... Exactly where the filter is. We get a picture of the family and we've got their survey responses. We then go back a couple weeks later and ask them, hey, how are you feeling now? And we're seeing at a two week survey and then a six week survey that family's health is improving drastically, which is amazing. Uh, they're saving a lot of money and they're able to go to work more because they're not missing days due to illness. They are uh, The children are getting a better education because they are not missing days due to illness. Uh, so the difference is profound. The other really cool thing uh, is that because this is Impact Nations and we are all about demonstrating the gospel, we're also about preaching the gospel. And so while we're there uh, in their home, our partners are asking the all-important question, can I pray for you? Uh, this, this filter was a gift from Jesus. uh, He's got more gifts for you. And so we're laying the hands on the sick and seeing people get healed. And then we're just sharing Christ with them and people are receiving Christ. It's awesome. I want to brag on our partners in the Philippines really quick. Uh, We're hearing from them on almost a daily basis right now with great pictures of them installing water filters. They're also doing feeding programs, often the two go hand in hand. Um, And we just heard this weekend as they were doing one of these programs, 75 people gave their lives to Christ. Uh, It's so exciting. God is on the move, and that's uh, as a direct result of your giving. So, if you wanted to participate in that, head to impactnations.com/water. And actually, if you do treat yourself, scroll down the page a little bit, and you can click on the the uh, page that has the graph and the maps and stuff like that. So you can actually see where all these water filters are in the world, and statistically see what a difference they're making. So that's impactnations.com/water. Uh, if you'd like to participate with us, seventy-five dollars will provide a water filter for a family, and very often, actually, two or three families because they, they share in many cases so we can get clean water to as many people as possible. So, uh, impact slash water. Uh, and Hey, one day the world is going to open back up again. And, uh, just like Mark was talking about when he went to India, you'll be able to come with us and we'll go distribute some water filters together and ask that question. Can I pray for you and watch and see what God does? So, uh, all right. That's all I have to say about that. Uh, Mark, some, some follow-up questions for you. Um, the what you have been sharing today, I think I could uh, legitimately say, is more on the the uh, mystical side of our faith. Uh, and uh, we talked about how sometimes that can be a little scary. I mean, at times, if I'm being honest, like some of the language you use s- can sound a little bit new age and things like that. How Is there a reason that we in the twenty first century have so much difficulty with uh, embracing the mystical? Um, yeah, yes, yes yes.
1: Um, the better the better word for that is spiritual. Um church can't handle the word mystical. Um, <laughs> they, they can handle, uh, uh, Webster's definition of mystical is spirit to spirit encounter. The Bible's crystal clear that Christianity involves that. You know our spirits are joined to the Holy Spirit at the point of salvation. So the word mystical is is a proper word to define that, but it's not a word that Protestantism accept. after Catholic, you're going to accept that because Catholics are very comfortable with with, with that word. Protestants are scared, spitless of it. Um, Protestants (laughs) do like to give words over to the New Age movement. Um, Some Protestants even give the the rainbow over to the New Age movement, or not the New Age, but the homosexual movement. I don't give anything away. You know, if it's in the Bible, I don't really care how many cult groups or evil groups do it, because I don't live in reaction to a cult group. The Bible never teaches me to go examine cult groups and then live in reaction to it which is what some Christians do. They say, oh my gosh, new agers do this, we can't. I said, well, new agers work, work clothes, are you, are you telling me I have to go naked? You know what I mean? What, what, what kind of theology is this? You know? <laughs> um, if, if, if the new agers are doing something, it's, it's because as a counterfeit group, they're counterfeiting something which is real and has value. Yeah. Because you don't counterfeit $1 bills because they're not valuable enough. You don't counterfeit nineteens because there's no real. So you always want to go back to the Bible and say, what's the real thing? I mean, that they're counterfeit, because the, the the cult movements are the unpaid bills of the church, from some, somebody in church history. Hmm. And if, if we were offering Christian dream interpretation, if we were offering spirit encounter, um, whichever, if we were offering encounter with angels, the New Age movement wouldn't be attracted to people who would like to see their guardian angels, who would, who would like to hear a voice from a guiding spirit. I mean, we have a spirit guide who's called the Holy Spirit, who's Here to guide us into all truth and righteousness, but I wasn't taught anything about the Holy Spirit. Uh, When I finally decided to take Him seriously, I looked up all 1,200 verses in the Bible on heart and spirit, just to see what the Bible had to say about it. And we wrote a book, How to Walk by the Spirit, and we are running that series of videos free, start of the day, and go for the next ten days. And I've given you the information you can put out as a link to people that they can they can watch it free over the next ten days. I mean. I have no theology for the spirit. So yeah. so, yeah, some react and say this is not part of traditional Protestant Christianity. So, that's because Protestants are protestants. They protested the Catholic abuses um, and they threw the baby out with the bathwater and they yeah. threw all spiritual encounter out uh, and they decided to worship the left side of the brain and worship theology, a word which is not even in the Bible. And they decided to make that their God and separate based on the- theological difference. Wow. So, you know, I don't really appreciate being part of a protest movement, a protestant, protestant movement. I don't think that protest movements generally have the full truth that living in reaction to some other error, I do live in reaction to the Catholic Church. I mean, I learned through these four keys from the Catholic, from Jesuit priests, and then it's in that end, Catholic priests. I watched today an hour and a half video of a Catholic lady who is teaching these four keys to Catholic Church. She's taught over a thousand Catholics how to hear God's voice, and she's sharing her testimony the impact this has had on her family, her six children, and her parenting skills and her passionate, be a perfectionist, and her feeling of guilt because she couldn't be all transformed. Because as she journaled, God just loved her. Said, "Look, I love you just the way you are. You don't need to do all this <laughs> extra stuff, you know." And and He transformed her life. So, you know, hearing God's voice gets us away from all this theology. Yeah. You know, and gets us into a living encounter with the living God where you see him, you hear him, you feel him, and you live out of him. And you're not living out of theology. You're living out of a. I don't live out of a theology concerning my wife, Patty. Yeah. I don't live out of a book that describes Patty.
0: Hmm.
1: You know, the Protestants (laughs) decided to live out of a book. Well, you know, in the Garden of Eden, Jesus, God didn't offer them a book to live out. Yeah. He never intended us to live out of a book. He intended us to live out of a walk with Him in yeah. the garden in the cool of the day. And we replaced the walk with Him. We said there was no such thing available, but here's the book.
0: Yeah. I said, mm. well, we
1: weren't designed to live that way. We Remember, <laughs> I mean, Jesus didn't live that way. Jesus did. He said, I do only what I see my Father doing and yeah. hear my Father speaking. Now, He said that about a half a dozen times. Yeah. And I got, which means He's living out of vision, mystical encounter, okay, and the voice of God. He's And it's constant. It's the foundation of his life. He says about a half a dozen times, five times. I look them up today. I do nothing on my own initiative, but only what I hear and see my father do. Five times he said it. Wow. That's because he actually meant it, and that's the way he lived. And for the Protestant church to say, well, that kind of freaks me out. I say, well, then, (laughs) repent for living with idolatry, the worship of the brain you know, wow. and making your brain God. I have to sense of making my brain God and my theology God, and I explained to God, if I, just, you know, my theology was my safeguard. He no, it's not. He said, your safeguard is my voice and the body is God. Yeah. And uh, and so he removed. But if you don't believe in the voice of God, then you, then you go to something like that, which is yeah, and 500-year-old passed down theology, which it's not very healthy and not very good and not very biblical. Yeah. And it's mm. not what Jesus did. It's not what God intended.
0: It's not what Jesus it's, did. Uh, yeah.
1: It's really, it really so sinful and wrong. And these yeah. kind of a-
0: well, and I love the way you keep bringing it back to your wife. It reminds us that. Uh, we're to be in relationship with the person of Jesus, the person of the Holy Spirit. I think uh, we've 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 somehow removed the personhood of God, uh, and as you said, boil it down to a theology, boil it down to a set of uh, rules or uh, even formulas. You know, do this and he'll do that sort of a thing. Uh, but when you when you relate it to a person. Uh, everything changes. Hey, Isaiah, can you do me a favor? Can you throw up on the screen uh, the first key again for me? I want to circle back to that one just briefly. Because um, I think this is, I, everything starts with number one. That's what I learned in math class. Uh, so uh here's here's key number one. He's just bringing it up for me. Uh, quiet yourself in the Lord's presence. Can you talk to us about this, Mark? Because I'm I struggle with this sometimes. You know, I, I'm, I'm a busy busy guy who's uh, running a household and a, a, an organization. And when I sometimes sit down to be with the Lord, um, my mind is not really there. My mind is on, you know, what do I need to get done at work today? And what are the things that need to get done when I get home and all those things? How do we quiet ourselves?
1: That's a great question. Uh, David, David talks to his soul. He says, be silent, my soul. Before him, be silent. Um, so that's Psalm sixty-one. So he's addressing his soul and saying, "Shut up," you know. And um, <laughs> you, you, you know, you can do that. You can tell your soul to shut up. Now, my, when I told my brain to shut up, it didn't make me. And it has no intention <laughs> of shutting up. So, so I needed a few other techniques, you know. And the, the techniques that I use are pretty simple. Yeah. Um, first of all, vision because uh, if I'm picturing Jesus next to me, I am shifting from left hemisphere to right hemisphere. Internally, I am making this shift, which is pretty much from my head to my heart. It's pretty much another way of saying that. Okay. And I'm getting away from the analytical reasoning. Okay. So so, so that's good. That's a really important key. Okay. And the other thing is when thoughts are coming to me of things to do, if it's a flowing spontaneous thought, I'm just got them all down anyway. Okay. But if it's a flowing thought, it's probably the Holy Spirit reminding me, don't forget to do this, don't forget to do that. And so I honor that as the first level of God's voice within me, reminding me of things that I forgot, which if I do them, will make me more creative, more productive, more prosperous individual. So I celebrate that as the first level of God's voice within me, Write them down, that I can go beyond the second voice within me, which were for me. (laughs) <laughs> we're talking of spinning consciousness like, Look at the anger issues you've got, you know, look at the mm. look at the lust, you know, you just screaming at this person. What's wrong with you? You know, if God wants to kill you, get very close. To you. So So I had to deal with, with that, uh as a second voice within me. And of course the Bible said, you know, if you spin seventy times seven, he'll forgive you. So, you know, I, I would come and God and say, well, I did it again, you know, I'm very sorry. He said, that's okay, it's all covered by the blood. I said, yeah, but you don't know, I feel really bad. He said, it's okay, it's covered by the blood. I said, I'd like to promise I'll never do it again, but I probably will. I've already done it 14 billion times. He said, it's okay, it's covered by the blood. I said, God, I feel so bad. He said, Mark, stop.
2: Hmm. And
1: it's like he hit me in the gut and said, would you please stop whipping yourself? It's covered by the blood. He said, Mark, this was a learning curve mistake. You can learn just as much and or more from a learning curve mistake. So, and he's laughing hilariously. He's having a good time. He's laughing hilariously. I'm saying, Excuse me, learning curve mistake. That's not even in my vocabulary. He <laughs> said, Mark, you just learned how to do it wrong. It's no problem. Just let it go, you know? Hmm. So, we got rid of the second voice, that, the end of guilt for or my sinfulness. And he taught me to do more than just confess that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, which is part of it. But the better thing is, picture it. Because your picture is what wins. And, and even though I used to confess that I was a righteousness of God in praise Jesus, I would picture myself as a miserable sinner. The picture would win and I would feel guilt. So the Lord said, Mark, I want you to picture yourself clothed with the robe of Christ's righteousness. Put on that robe of Christ's righteousness, which the New Testament commands us to do. Just like a woman does on her wedding day. So now I picture myself now dressed out in this beautiful robe of white, sparkling, radiantly fully, a righteousness which is by faith, not of my own, it's Christ's righteousness that I wear. I took care of the whole guilt thing. And I'm on to the third voice, which was God's voice. Okay, so if your eyes are fixed on Jesus, if you've got a smile on your face, if you're tuned to flow, and if you don't stare at an sheet of paper, but I write down a question and say, good morning, Lord, I love you, I give you today, what do you want to say to me? You know, you enter into his presence with thanksgiving in your heart, you enter into his of praise, you Don't rush in saying, God, I got I need five answers here. You know, I don't rush into Patty. It's like, God, I need Patty, I need five answers. I, <laughs> I
2: say,
1: Good morning, honey. How are you? I give her a hug. You you enter into relational mode with the person, and then you can begin to ask questions and share hearts. So I'll say, Lord, what do you want to say to me? I'll tune to flow. The flowing thoughts that come to you will come from the visions being held before your eyes. If you have your eyes fixed on Jesus and you're tuned to flow, the flow that you write down. of the time it's going to be Jesus speaking to you so I'm going to say to you make sure that you are using vision that you are picturing Jesus next to you that you have a smile on your face um, that you're tuned to flow and you're jotting down whatever's coming without testing without doubting jot down anything that's coming and then you can test it later on
0: Indeed, so let's talk about that as our as our time comes to the end. This is the last question I, I want to ask, and I think it's a, a really important thing that you just talked about, which is the testing of what you've written down. Um, and I, I hear what you're saying. Just write. Don't worry about testing yet. Just you know, finish that step first. Do the writing. Um, but at some point, you and you used an example of the first time you did it. You brought it to your wife and said, "What do you think of this sort of a thing?" Can you talk a little bit about the importance of this step and and how how you, it plays out, how it could play out for other, some of our listeners in yep. terms of the testing. Yeah that's, it
1: a, yeah, that's a great question. The testing cannot be done while you're receiving because when you go to receive, you have to come. We have to be in a believing mode. mode. Um, those who come to God must believe. so I need to come. Thank God, I'm I'm believing and I'm going to write whatever you give. Whatever's whatever flowing. Uh, if I enter into a test mode while I'm receiving, I cut it off and I don't get anything. So so no testing allowed while I receive now that we've written for five ten minutes we're going to test um, as I reread it, does it line up with scripture are the scriptural principles uh, examples in the Bible of this kind of thing happening, you know, it's got to line up with scripture that's fine, We want that to do that I also need to submit it to my free spiritual advisor. Uh, Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every rhema is confirmed alright, Um Bible says most of the counselors is wisdom and safety well, I want to be wise, I want to be safe um, and it doesn't say I confirm it in the brilliance of Mark Rutgers, theological brain it doesn't say that it's in the mouth of two or three witnesses. So I walk in humility. Um, and I let two or three people who I respect, uh, speak into my life. And if I have the three times I'm going to, I'm going to share my journey with people is when I'm first learning the experience, like with Patty, I, I went through five or six times during that first day and she kept saying it was God. Okay. So you're always going to want to share your first half a dozen journal entries with somebody you respect and, and just mm-hmm. ask him, Is it God or not? So, so you can make sure you're in the right track. Yeah. After that, I would share any journal entry with her that was uh, that I was not certain about. If I got a journal entry and I think oh, Man, you know, is this really God? I need to know if it's really God or not because of the double minded man gets nothing from God. I can't sit there being double minded. I'm going to get nothing from God, which is totally unacceptable to me. So I'm going to submit. All those journal entries to my three spiritual advisors who I have now had for 40 years. Three spiritual advisors, they've changed some over the years, but I had three for 40 years. Um, so the Bible says to and, um, if those three people say, Hey, that's God, you know, my heart, I don't ask them what they think about it. I say, uh-huh. would, you, would you please read this? And would you tell me if your heart bears witness, that this came from God? Uh, that's a very different question than what do you think. I don't give a hoot what you think, I don't give a hoot what I think, because man's <laughs> thoughts are not God's thoughts. So don't tell me what you think, yeah. and I'm not going to tell you what I think. Uh, tell me, that your heart, there witnesses came from God. three of them say, yep, it came from God, then I'm going to say, it came from God, and I'm going to charge for it. Hmm. And the third category of things that I will submit to my three advisors will be major decisions, that I want to make a major mistake. Uh, it can set me back a decade, you know, I don't sure. need that. So um, those uh, other, but if the Lord is just saying, Mark, love your wife, be at peace, I'm here, I don't feel need to submit that to three people, and that's generic Christianity, so I wouldn't yep. feel a need to submit that. Yeah, that's good.
0: Well, Mark, this has been so helpful. Uh, I'd like to... Uh, give you an opportunity real quick to give our listeners some homework uh, we and we sh- i should say by the way we've included these in the notes for this episode so uh as you're listening and you're like i want to give this a whirl uh check out the notes for this episode mark what what can people do to get started
1: okay we will can coach you very 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 well um one of the links you're gonna find is to some free material on the four keys hearing God's voice where you'll hear me teach for an hour through the four keys a lot of audio that's free. And there'll also be a track that's free there. There was a charisma article in the mid-80s. Um you can read that. You can watch three free free videos, free free videos of me teaching in the four keys. And, and then you can buy the you can buy the book there too, and, and you can get 10 hours of audio if you want to, and 10 hours of video, and you can get a college course if you want to. So we have all sorts of free material. Um, and then in addition, we have another free item there in the link, which is called Sea of Galilee, and that is some beautiful music by um, Julie uh, true, I believe, um, and um, she has 30 minutes of music. In the first five minutes, she's taking you for a walk with Jesus, a visualized walk with Jesus along the Sea of Galilee, and she's coaching you in, in that walk she's, uh, to, to use the four keys, to become still, to get your Jesus, soon to do the flow, and to write. So in five minutes, she is ensuring that you are properly positioned to receive revelation. And then she stops talking. The music goes on for 25 more minutes, and, and you can just journal through that soft music in the background. It's a beautiful, beautiful tool. It's a free download from the link that's there called Sea of Galilee. So those are the two primary things that we have to get you started. You start doing any journaling. You're going to want to submit it to two or three people. Anyone is welcome to share their journey with me to get to get started. Um, my, my address, I think is going to be email address, is going to be there. To yep,
0: we've got it. Say, hey,
1: here's my first uh, first uh, journal entry. Uh, Mark, you feel in your heart this is God? I will email you back and let you know because I am passionate to help you get started. Hmm. And I'm also able to connect you to other people who you can share your journey with on a regular basis if you want to. But it's always best to find people in your surrounding, uh, in your church, your close friends who you can submit your journaling So those are all things that are available, plus there will be a link there to the free video series, 10-day video series that began today, uh, where how to walk by the Spirit. Um, I'm going to go through 500 verses on heart and spirit, so you learn to become sensitive to your heart and to your spirit. Each video is up for 24 hours, so the first moment of the day will be up till tomorrow, uh, evening probably. And you can watch them all, and if you like what you want, you can buy the set at half price. Then. So those are resources we have and of course our community with God Ministries website has all fifty books and hundred college courses and <laughs> the list goes there and six hundred blogs that I've written. So it's an endless list of education on Christian spirituality that is practical, down to earth, nitty gritty, and will I guarantee will get you into a relationship with Jesus where you hear his voice and see
0: Absolutely. So again, for our listeners, uh, be sure to check out the notes cause there's a lot of links there. There's so much great material at Mark's site. Uh, and so you want to definitely check out each of those links, uh, spend some time browsing. Don't miss out. Uh, as, as Mark said, there's actually a video series going on this week. So you don't want to miss that. That's a limited time offer. Um, well, Mark, thank you so much uh, for being with us today. This has been really helpful for me and I know for our listeners as well. Uh, looking forward to hearing some feedback on this. And I'm sure you're going to get a few emails from some people giving this a whirl for the first time.
1: <laughs> Tim, Tim, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I appreciate what you guys do. I think I think all of you, like your water program, every program is fantastic. We have supported you in the past. We'll continue to support you in the future. I love what your dad does. So is a compassion and just encourage everyone to participate in all the aspects of, of what you folks are doing it's
0: tremendous indeed thanks mark and actually i i know uh you had uh started reading his uh, first church restored book you were telling me that you're sharing some of those principles with uh, some folks in uganda i didn't realize you've got connections in uganda too
1: i i do i have a pastor eric i've been working with and he's such a go-getter and uh and I took the liberty to send the book over to him because he emailed me a week ago, which is kind of why I asked for the book. He, he said, have you written a book yet on church growth? Because he wanted to start starting new churches because he wanted to start some more new churches.
2: Hmm. And I
1: said, no, but maybe I can find one. And so I checked with Steve, and he's kind enough to send me one. And uh, I've got 160 pages that I've read, read in the last couple of days. It's fascinating. I love it. I love it. It's exactly right on. And uh, I did pass it on to Pastor Eric And he is already into it, and he's loving it, and he is going to use it, and he's going to a whole bunch of home groups that I have come oh, I down in, I in Uganda.
0: It. That's fantastic. And
1: I'd love
0: to see you guys get most connected with him as we go along. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. We're uh, we're in Uganda pretty regularly under normal circumstances, so it'd be great to get connected. Um, Excellent. Well, by all means, let's
1: connect
0: them. I think that you, it sounds like you read almost as fast as you write. Uh, so, Because <laughs> <laughs> I know we just <laughs> sent you that book about 24 hours ago. Uh, so that's pretty impressive. Uh, and I'm sure your penmanship has improved quite a bit over the years with all that journaling, too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do write better now than I used to. There's no doubt about that.
0: Yeah, but bet.
1: And I, did, well, Mark- I did spend yesterday and today reading the book. It was this, it's a fascinating book. I That's really, awesome. really
0: I love it. That's cool. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, listeners, please do check out his links. Uh, get, to, get to know Mark through his videos. Uh, this is such encouraging stuff. Uh, thanks again for being with us. God bless you.
1: God bless.
0: Bye-bye. Bye-bye.